Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted to be with you once again. Today, we head to the United States of America, and it's a great story as to how, in fact, this interview has come about. Uh, Brenda Duran, who is the Deputy Executive Officer of Communication and Media Services for the Los Angeles County Executive Board, is a listener to GovComs. And Brenda was... Uh, clever enough to jump on LinkedIn and she found my profile and she sent me a note saying, I really enjoy your podcast and I wish we had something like this in the United States. Now, I can't fulfill that uh, ambition for Brenda and I hope that she might one day start a podcast of her own. But I said to her at the time and just checking through her profile, I thought, wow, what a great and interesting background. And I said, do you want to come on? And she said, yes. And so isn't that fantastic? So if any of you are listening out there and you think that you've got a story that you'd like to tell or you'd like to be in touch, LinkedIn's a great way to do it. So just give me a little bit of a nudge and uh, we can make these things happen. So Brenda is with us today. And Brenda is, like many of you, an established communications professional and she works in the US public sector. Prior to her role with the Los Angeles County, she held several positions in journalism media and communications, again, just like you. Brenda graduated from the University of Southern California with a Bachelor of Arts in Journalism. She later worked as a staff reporter and writer for several major US news and journalism organizations, including the Southern California News Group, the US Weekly, and the North County Times. Later in her career, Brenda served as the Senior Associate Editor for MPA Media and went on to become the Head of Communications for the Los Angeles County Registrar Recorder. Brenda has also garnered several prestigious communications awards throughout her career. These include a Folio Award for Feature Writing, the North American Excellence in Communications Award and multiple accolades for her work in both public relations and public affairs. And she joins me now. Brenda, thanks very much for, for joining me on GovComs. I'm very, very excited to be on GovComs. Thank you for having me. So listen, just tell us a little bit about your, your, your background, maybe even going back prior to your time in, um, you, you know, studying formally in journalism. Were you, were you interested in journalism and communications as a young person while you were going through high school? Absolutely. Um, I've always been interested in storytelling and writing. It's been a passion of mine since I was a, a young girl. And um, in high school, I got involved in the journalism program. And I was on the newspaper staff in high school. I was in the newspaper staff in college. Um, I was very passionate. I did uh, numerous internships. And I was always fascinated with telling other people's stories. And it's always a uh, been a common thread throughout my entire career. So I'm very passionate about storytelling and I'm very passionate about writing and um, and communications in general, just how um, communications basically connects everything. Um, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It really is the foundation of everything that we do. So what fascinates you about other people? 
I just think their, their stories, I think everybody has a really interesting story to tell and it has, everybody has a piece of the puzzle um, to bring uh, that brings it all together. And so when you find out about other people's stories, it really, really makes the world a lot more interesting. And so that's what I've always been very fascinated with. And it's really ordinary stories often that are the best stories, aren't they? You know, those conversations where you ask the simple questions and you spend time with people. And when you are curious and when you are interested, people will open up and will tell you the most extraordinary things sometimes. Absolutely. And it's always really interesting that when you find out how much you have in common with other people and um, how certain things about your life may have connect with those people as well. So I think that's really the power of storytelling. And I think that it really serves a purpose for to not only um, motivate and inspire you, but it also is a great way to connect with other human beings. So when you formally moved into the craft of journalism and you did your study and you're working at, at, at not only in the high school, paper but then the college paper and then ultimately working uh, walking into journalism what are the skills that you acquired during that career that help you to be an effective government slash public sector communicator yeah I think one of the the most valuable skills um, that I gained in my career in journalism um, that I think has really translated really, really well to government communications is taking incredibly complex information and breaking it down for people in ways that they can understand. And as a journalist, uh, you do that um, with stories. You know, uh, I remember going and covering uh, really, really complex board meetings for um, different school districts and uh, at a huge packet that I would have to go through before the meeting. And there was so much jargon in that uh, folder that I was, I had to really go back to my desk and break that information down in a way that any, any person can understand. And I think that um, that part of that skill set has been incredibly valuable to me in government communications. And obviously the writing and editing part will just follow you everywhere you go. And I think the part of storytelling has also been very, very effective in my um, transition to government communications. I think interacting with the public, interacting with public officials, and um, like I said, taking incredibly complex information, breaking it down for people um, as a government communicator is very, very, very um, uh, valuable skill set to have Mm. that I gained as a reporter. Yeah, sure. So can you give us um, an insight perhaps into your process as to how do you go about taking complexity and converting it into simplicity and and compelling stories. Yeah, I think uh, the way that I've always done it is I've sort of tried to understand the bigger picture um, of the information that, um, you know, is being presented. And I think um, there's always a really, really simple answer to complex information. And most of the time you can sum it up in one sentence. And I've always (laughs) sort of been you know, I really try to dig for that one sentence when I'm presented with complex information. And I try to say, okay, what does this all mean? And if I had to explain it to you right now in in one or two sentences, how would I go about doing that? And really digging to get to the core of that information. And so I always try to do that. I try to really sort of break it down. um, And especially when you're dealing with bureaucratic jargon or things and information uh, like that in government, uh, it really always comes down to a simple thing, whether it be a a new policy that's going to help uh, 
you know, people um, and, you know, be better at um, improving their sidewalks or um, reporting um, something about their community. It really all boils down to something very simple. And it's about finding what that simple uh, message or what that simple um, uh, task is at hand, what, what that is. And that's what I've always tried to dig for. So in terms of that, often in the communications business, we don't own the content. We're not the subject matter expert. And often people spend a huge amount of time producing a policy or a background paper or something where they've put everything that they possibly know about a subject mm-hmm. in it. And they feel that it's all got to be there because if it's not in there, it loses its integrity, it loses its value. How do you how do you solve that problem of being able to take subject matter experts on the journey with you from complexity to simplicity? Well, I think it's really important as a government communicator to understand that at the end of the day, most of those policies and most of those things that are being written are essentially for people and the constituents that you serve. So I think that um, in uh, taking that journey with with somebody like that, um, it's really about connecting back to the people. So how are we going to connect this complex information? How are we going to connect it uh, and how it's going to affect people? And um, that's what I've always tried to do. Um, with a lot of this stuff, because even though there, you know, it could be, it can get very complicated in terms of policies and and a lot of that information that you're talking about that is often um, included in these types of things. What I like to do is I like to just, again, dig for that, that the simplicity and the simplicity is really, it comes down to how is this going to affect the people that you're serving? And most of the, are the things that we do in government are to um, do something for the community or to do something for the public. So in taking that journey, I try to find um, how this is essentially going to affect people. Mm. But then how do you bring those subject matters experts on the journey? How do you create that relationship? Because one of the the really big themes that's emerged through GovComs over the last sort of, I don't know, uh, six to nine months is this evolving need for communicators to spend much more time on their feet, walking around organisations, getting to know people, building relationships you know, identifying the gaps, um, building the confidence and trust of of the organisation that they are uh, well capable of being able to represent the views of those people. Is that the same in your experience? Are you seeing that, that you, you really do need to spend time with these subject matter experts so you can earn their trust and confidence? So, you, so when they hand over their baby, so to speak, that they you're not going to do any, you know, um, dramatic damage to it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think also that um, government communicators are really becoming more and more part of the bigger conversation. And they're, they're really, um, it's all about having a seat at the table, right? So it's, it's about um, when the when these things are being drafted, or when these things are being written um, by these subject matter experts, that we have a seat at the table so that we're able to guide them to, to a place where we're, we'll, we know that we're going to be able to communicate that information effectively later on. And so it's about all everybody being at the on the same page and them trusting that that you understand their information and that you're able to break it down in effective ways for the public. Mm. And um and that part that 
comes with the, like you said, earning, earning their trust and also, um, um, knowing that they, you're an expert in communication so that you know how to break this information down for them in, in, in a lot more simple ways than they, they, they maybe, um, have never thought about. Mm. Um, so I think that that, uh, having a seat at the table for government communicators is, is essential these days. Indeed, indeed, I completely agree. And again, that's, that's another, um, key theme that over the, the last couple of years, indeed, about government communicators is how, how do you get that seat at the table? Because often, uh, and certainly this is in, in Australia, and I know in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom and other um, Western European democracies, is that communication in uh, particularly larger federal government agencies is not really where the power is. It's not where the influence is. And often the communications team are brought in right at the end when all of the discussion mm-hmm. is, has taken place yes. and, you know, just make this look pretty. Um, right. You know, just, just do something with it, but get it out. But the heavy lifting's been done. Now just do the tidying up. And we refer to it as communications being seen as the colouring in department as opposed to mm-hmm. a, a lever for strategic, adding strategic value and insight. So what's your experience there in the United States? Is it the same? And if it is the same, how have you got yourself that seat at the table? That's a great question. Um, I think uh, I can go back to my experience and working uh, at the registrar's office. Um, essentially, when I started working there, um, there wasn't really a, a, a really built out communication um, model there. So I had the opportunity and I think privilege of, of building that out in the department. And uh, what was really uh I think a valuable lesson for me was um, in getting a seat at the table was really showing the value of communications right off the bat and showing how um, and in different, different small projects from the beginning. So showing how uh, we can take uh, information and from the beginning, as we're, we're talking about it and being part of that uh part of the process in the beginning and not the end. And then uh, sh- taking some of these projects in the beginning and then kind of walking them through it and, and showing them the value and the return on the investment that they did in the communications aspect and how different it turned out because we, w- we did have a seat at the table in the beginning, how much more effective it was, how much more effective it was with the public and how these things translate. And I think that's a role that government communicators should really um should really take on a lot more these days is that they should really think about um, showing showcasing the value of communications. And what I mean by that is by showing uh, what it is, how of the big difference it makes when you when you do come into that conversation early rather than the end. And um, you can do that when uh, you get involved in projects early on and those projects really turn out to be successful and you kind of you have some analytics to show that, you know, it played really well on social media. You have uh, some uh, feedback from the public about it. You perhaps, um, you know, had a big role in um, more people being informed about it. Um, So there's a lot of ways to do that these days, especially with the digital space, because we have so so many more analytics um, in our hands that we can showcase the value that the communications brings to the table in real numbers with real factual data um, and I think that once, when, once you do that, you are able to really um, 
gain that seat at the table that you that you really need um, in order to continue to be an effective communicator and be part of the conversation. But interestingly, I think a lot of people would say that's great, but we're so busy and we've got so much to do that we don't have time to compile those case studies and to we don't have the time to then sell our benefit back into the organisation because we've been tasked with the next piece of activity. So how is it that you have been able to build that into your processes that you can consistently generate case studies and then market mm-hmm. those case studies internally such that you start to, to move the needle in terms of people's understanding of what the, what the potential impact and benefit there can be uh, uh, achieved from, uh, you know, strategic communication at the very beginning of a project or a program? I was able to do that when I was building out marketing campaigns. Um, and when I was approaching the marketing campaigns um, uh, for the registrar's office, which is essentially um, trying to get people out to register to vote and to um, get out to the polling place on election day, I approached the marketing campaigns the same way that people in the private sector would, in a very with a holistic approach, focusing on the experience that people were going to have, and and doing all that and putting the work into it. And um, as I was building out the marketing campaigns and putting different um, communication. Um, Uh, strategies to put the campaigns together. And that included everything from, um, you know, uh, putting some more information on our website, making it really the cornerstone or resource, um, creating a brand for the department, uh, which I, which I think, you know, I'll talk about a little bit later that I think is really important. Um, And also putting um, uh, these partnerships that we had with the local media as well with radio, TV, um, and doing all these things and building out the marketing campaigns, what ended up happening was that when I would be done with the marketing campaigns, I had a, a flood of the data and analytics that really showcased the reach that we had during these campaigns. Um, and it wasn't like I had to do a lot of work because I said a lot, a lot of the stuff that you can get on, on social media and the digital space now is there already for you. So it's not like you have to go dig for it. Um, uh, it's all being um, it's all being measured as we as we go. So at towards the end, what I did is I got all of that information and I did a recap at the end of the marketing campaigns to show how many people we had reached, how many um, people had seen our message, how many people have come across our marketing materials and that sort of thing. And I was able to showcase that um, uh the value of that uh, communication strategy played a big role in how we were doing um, the different uh, processes and procedures um, in the department and how um, it was really driving us to do other um, uh, innovative things to reach out and to people with information. Mm. So um, so basically, as I went with the marketing pa- campaign and um, I, I was uh, gathering feedback, whether it be on social media, whether it be with analytics, that sort of thing. And I was gathering as we went. And so at the end, I sort of had a really nice recap to showcase everything um, that those that how far those communication strategies went. Mm. So it's really a, a key step. The job's not done until you've captured uh, the the understanding of of the effectiveness of the campaign. And really, it's in your own best interest to then think about well, who needs to see this information now, such that you know you might be able to change some of those attitudes. So is that you get invited to more conversations at an earlier stage? Because again, that's this key critical function of being, you know, at there at, at the beginning, it's got to be, it's got to be baked into any sort of approach. Cause if it's not there, 
um, very hard to uh, uh, re-engineer things once they're uh, once they're fully formed and fully matured. Now, listen, I know that you've done quite a bit of research into the latest trends mm-hmm. in communications and, and media. I was wondering if you could just outline some of that research for our our listeners to uh, just regarding you know what is effective and and what's not effective in that research mm-hmm. that you did. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of very valuable information that I learned. Um, I think, first of all, the big one is that um, how many uh, people are going on mobile, on their mobile phones these days to get information. And I think that here in the United States, we know that it's more than 70 percent of the the United States that is going to be on mobile in the next uh, year or so. That's that's a big chunk of the population. So I think that. what I've seen in the trends and communications here in the United States is that um, moving towards, um, you know, thinking more strategically about how we can be in that space. You know, I, we always talked about um, at the registrar's office, we always talked about meeting the public where they are. And that's a really key thing in government communications is where it, are your constituents and you need to meet them where they are. Um, and as we're moving more towards mobile, um, I think it was really strategic to start thinking about perhaps um, doing apps that can boost government efficiency by, you know, limiting the time that people um, have to go to these offices um, to get, you know, paperwork done and that sort of thing and making it pe- uh, easier for people to access government on an app and on their mobile phones. So um, and improving that um, and bridging that digital gap for um, constituents that you serve in the government space, I think is a trend that everyone is thinking about now and that want everyone wants to move towards. And so I think focusing on creating a strategy for mobile is, is a trend that is worth looking at. And I think it's going to change the way that government does business in a lot of different ways for the future. And I think that that's um, some of the research that I've seen and what I've and how I've seen that play out in some of the marketing campaigns that I've done has been huge. So I think mobile is definitely one of them. Um, the second one I think is that I talked about earlier was about analytics and really taking um, the information that you're getting um, in this the digital space or um, in some of the marketing campaigns that you're doing and making sure that um, not you're not just doing these campaigns and that you're not just going on social media just to do it, but that you're actually ga- gaining something back and that's information and that's data that you can uh use to learn more about the public programs that you're offering and how you can make them more efficient to meet um, the citizens' needs and wants. And um, and I think that uh, that those analytics, um, I think more and more you'll see that government is going to move towards using those analytics to get to know the needs of their communities and to really drive a lot of what they do based on some of the analytics. Um, so, and also I think what d- analytics is, is really um, powerful because it also, uh, you can see what interests uh, the community has and how they wanna receive information. So that way, as a communications team for a government agency, you can tailor um, how you wanna deliver uh, communication to the, the public in the future. So I think that's really, really important. And that's a trend that we're also seeing is using some of the data and analytics that you get and um, making, you know, a driving force in how you do things. And then obviously the big one is the social media. Um, I think uh, social media has been uh, a a big thing um, in a lot of the government conferences that I've gone to here in the U.S. And I think that um, people are very, very interested um, 
to get information from government on social media these days. Um, I know when we were doing elections, uh, Twitter was a big deal for us in terms of getting information out about election results, um, answering people's questions, um, and that sort of thing. And I feel like now there's been more of a... Um, People are, have this expectation now that they that you know they want to be able to access you on these platforms, and I think the trend shows that um, you know a lot of the federal government is now on uh, gov um, social media, and people want to be able to get information on these platforms, and they want to be able to um, connect with government this way. So um, being strategic about social media is really important for government communicators, and I think the trends are showing that we have to think about. Um, how each of these platforms are, is going to play a role in our in our strategies as government communicators. It doesn't mean that we have to be on all of the platforms, but it, you have to look at what platform is going to work best for you. You know, people look at Twitter um, oftentimes is good for news, uh, Facebook for a place to really gather community input on, on things that are going on uh, locally oftentimes. And then Instagram, Snapchat, those are uh, places and platforms that where more younger people are. And um, so I think that those are some of the trends that I've um, seen in terms of, uh, you know, what what could be very effective uh, in government communicate uh, communication. And I also think that um, in uh, creating uh, being on those these social media cha um, channels, that it, it also gives you an opportunity to share your own, uh, have your own distribution channels of information as a government agency. And that's really important these days, because here in the United States, um, the uh, the news media has been shrinking. So we can't always depend on them to get the, our information out and our story out. And now we are becoming the storytellers. And I think as government communicators, you're going to take more of an active role in that sense. Um, so I think um, that's really important. And I, what I've seen as not being as so much more effective, especially here, is I think that the press release um, is uh, sort of being seen as... Uh, you know, not really the only tool in your toolbox anymore. And I think that um, people are starting to see they need to get better at using uh, these some of these other channels that I just talked about and um, really getting into the digital space um, because it offers more of a timely uh, response and a, and a better way of communicating with the public. Um, and so I think that, that the press release is going to be something that I think, uh, you know, is not, we can't rely on that as much as we used to in the past for all of our information. Um, and then I also think that um, with the digital space and social media, I think there's also been more of an expectation for more visual communications through some of these um, channels with infographics, um, the, the public being able to access information um, and be able to speak to them in these channels with these uh, stimulating and thought-provoking images, you know, about about things, whether they're charts or statistics and that sort of thing. And I think the trend you'll you'll see in the future is a little bit more of that and communicating with the public that way as well. Yeah, which comes to this, this the challenge around content, and really, it's a yes, uh, you know, content marketing for government, which we call content communication, because we found mm -hmm. that you know the word marketing, particularly in federal government, particularly in Australia was uh, a disconnect for people in the public sector. They, did, they don't understand marketing as just a, a way of presenting information about a policy or a program or service or regulation. You, you say the word marketing and, and people in the public sector think of McDonald's or Coca-Cola and exactly. they don't think that they, that they do marketing. But 
I think we're maturing. And interestingly, the the UK government this year has launched the Year of Marketing. So uh, it's a it's it's a challenge that they're taking on. But as someone who has spent a lot of time in newsrooms, creating content, thinking about you know how do you write good stories, how do you con- create compelling visuals, how do you put that together? What advice do you have? to teams who are just starting on this journey of really turning themselves into a bit of a newsroom on behalf of their department or their their agency? What are some of the things that they need to get right so as that they can you know, create the impact and, and capture the benefit of the factors that the, you know, the fact is that the, the factors of media production and distribution have now been democratised. Everyone mm-hmm. can be their own media company. So what mm-hmm. advice do you have for those government communicators out there who are just beginning on this journey? Well, I think the exciting thing that I will say off the bat is if, if you are coming from a traditional news background, the exciting thing is that you're going to be able to use all of and transfer all of these skills in this space because it's growing and it's and it's really shifting, like you said, to a place where you can become sort of your own uh, storyteller for a lot of these. So I think that um, to bring that creativity and storing capabilities to the table is essential. I think that's like the first thing that um, is really important to do. And I think that um, the big thing to think about when you're coming in to a government agency is to really think about the government agency in a holistic way. What does that agency stand for? What is it about? And um, similar to when you were talking about marketing, uh, same same mentality is thinking about um the building the brand of that agency and similar like you would do in private sector, you would want to build a brand. And one, com- one edge that government has that a lot of people um, should realize is that you already have an upper hand because as a government agency, you're already seen as the authoritative voice and you're already seen as the official voice. And so it's really about building on that and building the the brand of, of that department. What is it that you stand for? Are you working for an agency that's providing um, uh, needs for people who um, are uh, want want to vote? Are you an agency that is providing public works? What is their agency about? Think about that first and build out that brand um, and, and and really build it out to showcase what kind of service that you offer. So I, uh, number one thing that I would do is obviously research and assess also the communication habits of the constituents that you serve and, and, and then really knowing how it is that they want information about your particular agency. And that's really where it all starts is figuring out how, what kind of service that you're offering and how your constituents want that information about your agency, I think is really, really important. And create, creating a co- like a cohesive brand for an agency, a government agency will help you streamline some of the uh, communications that you have in establishing strong identity and message um, in the community and in the public that you serve. Um, I think it's also uh, important to create a content strategy. So if you are going to go on social media, if you are going to go on all these platforms, that you know that it's going to be a two-way conversation with with residents. So it's going to be another form of public service, but in the digital space. So be strategic about that um, and know how you want to go about it. Um, and I think that um, know that it's very powerful in terms of responding to crisis, to um, using the platform to connect with a lot of people about important information. So being very strategic about how you're engaging um, with the public on on these platforms as well. I love that 
that notion of that that essence, you know, that core, that purpose, and really defining mm-hmm. that and capturing it, and capturing it such that it resonates not just with the public, but it resonates with the people who work in that organisation. So it gives that meaning and and then mm-hmm. being able to work from there into establishing goals and objectives and that, as you say, you then roll through into the various, you know, policies or programs or services or regulations, but it all it all rolls back to that essential purpose that over time, if you're effective in that storytelling, you create the meaning and the resonance such that yes. people go, ah, yeah, okay, I know exactly who you are, I know exactly what you do, and I know exactly the benefit that you're trying to create. Exactly. And you engage them in that story and they become part of that story. Um, and I think that's really important. And in, in when I'm talking about storytelling is because they become um, because they're the public that you're serving. So essentially you're engaging that public um, and they're becoming part of that, the bigger picture with you. And I think that that's a great thing to do as a government communicator is bringing the, these people in um, as you're creating, like I said, the brand as it, as it is, you're creating this, the story and you're really showcasing the services that you have so that nobody is really uh you know, confused about what it is that you stand for, what it is that you do, you're recognizable. And people know that um, anytime that they have information from you, it's official information. And um, I think that's what makes it effective government is that you're, you're that you're really telling people what it is that you do, how you're going to do it. And they understand it in ways that is not complicated. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, and you don't have to be sort of contained. You may be authoritative, but you can have personality. And if we look at the way uh, various police forces around the world use social media, you know, like it's almost like comedy routine. Yes. For, you know, for 90% <laughs> it of it. And, uh, you know, it brings, you know, it, it, it takes away that fear of, you know, the police being you know, the enforcers of the law um, and really positions them as, you know, fellow members of the community who have a a specific uh, role and responsibility. I think that's been absolutely intriguing to see that trend um, grow and spread uh, and and the way that it has had such an impact um, on the reputation of law enforcement officials. It's a really fascinating uh, case study. I'd love to see someone do a a PhD one day into that. So anyway, Brenda, thank you very much for, for coming on today. Thanks so much for your insights. This program is all about learning. It's all about people sharing their experience and it's all about listeners being able to go away with one or two or three or five, probably today a few more than that, um, things that the simple ideas that they can take away and get started and understand that it's an incremental business. Uh, you're not going to boil the ocean, but try to make those incremental improvements in the way that you're doing things generally in the government and public sector they're conservative organizations so the big bang isn't going to work you're not going to work those things but you can if you get out talk to people build that trust build that credibility bring your imagination creative creativity and flair to the table and you know there's no question that you know the the, the trust deficit that you know democratically institution uh, democratically elected institutions are feeling across the world I think if we can become better storytellers we can start to address that now you mightn't like what governments are doing that's okay there's a thing called the ballot box and you can go and get boot them out mm-hmm. if you don't like them but uh, 
But I think you know the role of the government communicator is to understand what those elected officials are looking for and being able to craft really compelling um, content and really compelling storytelling such that you create that meaning and that essence that you referred to. So thank you so much for being generous with your time today. I know the audience enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it. So Brenda, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, on to GovComps. Thank you so much. And to anybody else out there, if you would like to come on GovComs, I would love to talk to you. The fact that there you go, this is this wonderful world that we live in now. You know, there's Brenda over in, you know, Los Angeles doing her work. She's been trawling around the internet. She's found us. She's found a tribe. She's found a community. So if you, anyone else out there, let us know. Give us a nudge and we'll be in touch and we'll make a time. So thanks very much for you. Uh, By the way, it's uh, 7.30 at night on uh, Tuesday in Los Angeles, and it's about 1 o'clock, sorry, about 12.30 in the day here in Canberra, Australia. So there you go. We can do this at any time to fit your need. So thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so much to Brenda Duran for sharing her knowledge, her wisdom, and her experience. And I know that you'll have got so much out of that today, just as I have. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.